We'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the Gangster Chronicles podcast, and I'm with my guy, Jill. Trump is in big trouble, man. Trump is in big trouble. You know what I'm saying? What ain't, what ain't him did? What Trump done did now? They've been slapping Trump left and right a lot lately, man. What's going on now? Exactly. This is Donald Trump's fourth criminal indictment in five months. But in a few ways, the charges brought by Georgia grand jury on Monday are some of the heftiest he's facing. Legally, they may be trickier for the former president to wiggle out of. And politically, they pose fresh narrative challenges, even for a candidate who has a solid grip on the GOP primary race. He's in trouble, man. They're saying, what they're saying now is that, you know how he usually wiggles his way out of stuff? Mm. It may be a little bit more difficult for him. He may actually go to jail behind this, man. Hmm. If, but I'm going to tell you what I believe is going to happen. I don't know. I'm not going to claim to be the biggest political pundit on the planet, but what I think is going to happen is you're going to have one of these other nominees jump on the back of this right here. And that's going to be their whole campaign platform is I'm going to um, I'm going to exonerate Donald Trump if I get in office and all the Trump supporters will go vote for him. Um, that could be a slick way to try to get ahead of, of, you know, because like you said, I don't even think with all the shit that's going on with DT right now, uh, he's still running. You feel me? Mm-hmm. He's still campaigning and running, so um He's still running and doing I, his thing. I things. guess you know you know, but when when you got that power, man, you know, you know motherfuckers wig a lot of shit when you in those positions. Mm-hmm. That's that's why I said I I've I've never gotten too heavy in the politics. Yeah, but check this out though. This is what's interesting about it though, dog. Trump has been charged alongside 18 other defendants, ranging from his high-profile allies like his former attorney Rudy Giuliani and former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows to Travion Cuddy, a former publicist who pressured an election worker to falsely admit to committing election fraud. See, Travion Cuddy, she used to be Kanye West's publicist. Mm. She was the main one down there pressing this old lady, even went to her house and said, this woman needs protection. Was trying to scare the old lady, so she was really trying to press her and they're doing some shit she wasn't supposed to do. Uh. It, it was crazy, man. But, you know, speaking of politics, and this has very little to do with politics for me, I understand that we want to keep Russia from gaining the stronghold because that's our biggest enemy or whatever. Right. But what I'm not understanding, we've given millions of dollars to the Ukraine, right? Now they just named, um, they just said that they're going to give them another $200 million in the, for, for the security fund or whatever, right? Mm. We had the fires in Hawaii, the biggest fire ever in this country from what I believe. Mm-hmm. People don't die, people don't lost their homes. Everything. It's you know a what lot our president? You know what our great president just did? Yeah. He just sent them a check for $700 whole dollars. Yeah. Seven hundred whole dollars. You just just think about this. You, you don't got flam. You got families jumping in the motherfucking ocean and shit because everything is burnt. What the fuck is seven hundred dollars gonna do? That's the thing, bro. Now, but now, we just sent two hundred million over to the Ukraine. I don't. I, that's why I said I don't understand politics because I don't understand how or who decides who get what. Like, do they? I, is it because, you know, they got that saying that uh, the enemy of my enemy or some shit? Yeah, the enemy so, of my enemy is my so, friend. So um, I guess they looking at it like because we don't want to get into a, a, a boxing match with mm-hmm. Russia. We want to stand on the side, but we're going we gonna, to, whatever y'all need, we're going to support. Now, who decides to where when you got Hawaii burning like it is, mm-hmm. Who makes the decision to go, well, fuck it, let's just send them 700 Exactly, because um, me and you pay a lot of taxes every year, man. And then my thing is this, like, right, um, uh, they set aside monies or whatever, and then they always talk about we in deficits and shit, right? Mm-hmm. But miraculously, we can come up with billions and billions, right, to allocate to other people. Else. And now I'm not saying that it's... You know, we don't want to see nobody suffer and attack. You know, that's the that's the American way. You know, motherfuckers scream help. We going over there to mighty power, motherfuckers. We got the guns. We got everything. But it always seems like when it come to problems at home, we can never fix problems at and, home. And you know, we're gonna have the homegirl Tesla Figaro come on the show 
and I think that would be a good idea to have Tez come on and talk about the infrastructure of our government when it comes to things like that, who gets money, who gets allocated what, because all I can see right now is living out here in Los Angeles, you got people living outside on the side of the freeways. Definitely. You have um, a huge homeless problem across the country. Yeah. You have the situation that's going on in Hawaii. I could think of a number of issues that we have on our own home front that this money could be allocated to. Yeah, we could have used $200 million, but then it's always a saying of, I don't know, it's some slick backwards shit that we ain't going to do right. Or Motherfuckers always undercutting shit when it comes to us here. And then a lot of the times it'd be, you know, our own people and shit. So, yeah, I, I like to have the homegirl Teslin on here. So I like to, you know, find out, you know, who decides, you know what I'm saying? Because like I said, I'm not political, but it would be interesting to know who 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 has that right of the pen to go get these motherfuckers a billion and then get these motherfuckers seven hundred dollars? And that's what Tesla is great at. You know what Tesla is good at? Tesla is good at breaking down the whole political landscape for the average person sitting at Definitely. home. Definitely, because the average person sitting at home doesn't go out and vote or get into politics because it seems like a bunch of stuff that's not common sense. It's not rooted in common sense. Because if I'm in my house and my kids are hungry. What sense does it make for me to walk down the street and take the family to, uh, down the street to dinner? Exactly. My kids at home hungry. It's almost like that's what the American government is set up to do. We don't take care of our own. Because I'm going to tell you the hypocrisy of this all. I remember when Glasses was standing in this loft. Um, he was standing in this um, loft downtown. And it was expensive, man. He was paying probably like 20 grand a month to stay in there. No shit. But to walk in there, you had to walk over homeless people. And I said, man, this is typical right here. We walk over the homeless to get to the, kind of like to the promised land a little bit. Mm. And those people, and I just looked at it, I stood back for like five minutes and just checked it out because I said, all these people going in their building, they on their cell phones or whatever, and they walking into this building. But they walk, it's almost like the homeless people were invisible. Like they don't got so accustomed to them being out there because I saw a guy walking down the street, he on his cell phone, somebody asked him for some change. He just ignored him and kept on going his way. Me. I've always been the type, if I, I can't, like, especially if it's a kid or a woman or something, anybody, if I got a few dollars in my pocket, I usually, here you go, man. Right. You need this more than me, because I can go home and open my refrigerator and eat. We For sure, we definitely. Are, we are really fortunate, man, and I count my blessings every day. And um, this leads me to something, man, that I wanted to really talk about tonight for the meat of the show. We are really living in a credulous society right now, man, to where people would rather believe a lie rather than the truth. That's always. Uh, nowadays, it's not about the truth. Uh, nowadays, it's about just getting the story out to motherfuckers. And I don't give a fuck if it's the truth or a lie. I just want to broadcast some bullshit. Well, you know what it's came down to, man? Um there are some people out there that make a lot of money off these platforms, right? Right. So you got a case of people really being intellectually lazy nowadays instead of going to go do research. You know how I come in and I call you eight and say, okay, we go kind of talk about this, this, this. Right. We get the subjects together or whatever. Subjects together. Our show is more of a long form conversation. So it's not really no just big focal point. We don't just go in on something. We have a regular conversation about it like you would with a homie in the hood. Right. Just to get down the root of stuff. We don't claim to have all the answers, but it's some things if we deem it important to talk about, we talk about it. Definitely. Um, I think we live in an era right now, man, where the truth is almost like taboo nowadays. You know, people even I believe, and I don't I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all, but you even have certain people, man, that seem like they disappear after they tell the truth about certain stuff. Yeah, you gotta be careful and shit. Like uh uh the wrong, the tr being truthful nowadays might get you in a world of trouble and shit, even though you're just trying to put out information, you feel me, so. Yeah, but uh, you know what, I've always felt like um, it's our duty, man, because on a podcast, we got a substantial amount of listeners, right? Right. And I feel it's almost destructive to not do your research or something, because like the other day, I got a, um, a text message from somebody, and it was a forward from somebody else that one of the homies had passed away. Mm. I got a text, um, rest in peace, Black Tone. Okay. Now, this person sent this out without doing the research enough to find out if it's true. 
before I went, especially when it's a death or something like that, important, mm-hmm. I always like to call people to verify before I put out certain information because you can have somebody's mama at home that don't know nothing about this, and next thing you know, she's looking at the internet and see rest in peace, such and such. Now she's about to have a heart attack because she don't know what's going on with her kid. Mm. But it's not even true, so she's blowing her kid up or whatever to find out if this is true. But it turned out to be um, Black Tone's father, rest in peace, Ernest, but that's just one of the primary examples. People just go off, people just put out whatever, like I said, without fact-checking and shit. Mm. And um. I'm going to tell you what the problem is, hey, who I blame? Mm. I blame you, you cats out there. <laughs> you, y'all. Y'all do all this because people are so consumed about bullshit nowadays. We would have a bigger range of topics if that's what people wanted to hear. Yeah. But when you come with some stuff that's edifying, they don't want to hear that, bro. They would rather hear a lot. They would rather hear, well, eight did this. I heard he did this. I heard Steel did that. Rumors intrigue people, man. I mean, shit. Rumors intrigue motherfuckers to where, I mean, you you see this shit just over just over shit like videos or fucking just conversations or people don't give a fuck about what the truth is. Really, the aspect is just let me put out some shit. I got, I like, I see this shit all the time, but I guess it's now the days of, of people want to be the first one to broadcast some shit. You get mm-hmm. me? Because that makes them go viral. That makes them get a gang of clicks or likes or whatever the fuck they after. But like I said, Today is the day of shit, nigga. It, it, I don't care if it's the truth. I'm going to be the first one to broadcast this shit so my motherfucking page can blow up real quick. That's all people care about now. People care about those clicks, views, likes, and all that other stuff, man. It's uh, Social currency has become the new standard. If you ask the average kid today nowadays what, would we, what, what he would rather have, would he rather have um, $10,000, $20,000 in his pocket? Or a cracking ass Instagram page. Most of those kids go say the cracking ass Instagram page. Oh yeah, page. you know, definitely because they feel I can generate more income off the cracking page. You know, exactly. That's, that's the end goal. You know, and you can't make some money out there, man. But at what point does it become too much? Because I really believe the area that we're living in right now, man. Somebody's gonna get hurt. Yeah, you got to be careful with the information you put out, man. It's especially uh coming from you know the walks of life and the streets that niggas been into you it can get treacherous and dangerous uh by putting out false information or you know by just spreading rumors or talking you know because now everybody wants to prove you know uh 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 their their worth or or how how tough or their authority. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what I'm saying, motherfuckers will get into a world of trouble by just broadcasting shit they know nothing about. You know, I it it just amazes me how, and the shit is crazy because a lot of these motherfuckers be older motherfuckers. Well, that's the thing. It's all, that's the scary part about it, bro. Like, it's crazy to know that a nigga, you know, my age want to be, you know. Or older. In, influenced by uh, uh, this life of, of social media, you know. I don't know. It's just different for me. Well, you know what it is, man? You have a lane right now. Uh, it's almost easy money, like. It's easy money. You know, you go in front of a camera a couple hours every week and talk shit. You can make anywhere from $7,000 a month on to ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a month just sitting on your ass at home telling lies. But what happens is this. And then I tell motherfuckers, like, everybody want to be famous today. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that bug has really bitten a lot of motherfuckers. Like, you see motherf- people do anything to become famous. And whether it's controversy, making a fool of themselves, or fucking I'm going to swallow a gallon of fucking dishwashing liquid, or, or I'm going <laughs> to... I mean, it... People will go through all fucking extremes nowadays to be social media famous. You feel me? Like, it just amazes me, man, who who niggas want to be. Like, nobody want to be normal no more. Everybody wants to join this fucking world of, of, of 
podcasting or controversy or whatever, and then it's ridiculous for some niggas because they ain't got shit to talk about. But you see, it's like the new rap. This is the new dope game or the new rap game. You know what I'm saying? Start you a podcast, get on and start talking shit about somebody, and you're going to blow the fuck up. But anyway, um, I've been peeping out this story, too, about, you know, because a nigga loves some, some sports, man, some football, some shit like that. What's, what do you think about the Michael Orr shit? The Michael Orr stuff, um, I don't know what to think about it. You know, I know that when they go out and make these movies on people's lives, they tend to embellish. You almost have to embellish just a little bit because, you know, you're putting a story together. And so in between you telling the main thesis of your story, the main premise of your story, you have the little things in the background, the little nuances like somebody stopping at the story, though you may not have stopped at the store during the actual time, just little stuff to make the movie go. It's That's, fucked up because I liked it. I, I, yeah. I liked the movie. This, and to think that, you know, motherfuckers, but you know, it's, it's, it shouldn't be shocking to motherfuckers to know that people take advantage of, of the underprivileged. Mm-hmm. You feel me? You know what, and, though, and, bro? And, the, and then the situation, you know, he can't, like a lot of us, low-income family, poverty-stricken, living in the projects, you know, so, was like he's saying, that was all a plot to begin with. You know what so I'm saying? Michael Orr is saying this as well, right? Yeah, he's saying it was a plot to begin with, you but know. But you know what I think, though, man? By me being fortunate enough to have a son in the NFL, he's in his second year with the Seahawks now, as you know. Those kids go through a lot of stuff, right? So, for you know, for any parent in high school thinking about their kid going to the NFL, that's a good dream to have. But it's very, very – it's highly unlikely that they are going to go to the NFL. You understand what I mean when you talk about odds? You know, whenever you have something in which people make a lot of money, the, it gets more and more crowded. You feel what I'm saying? And the herd, herd kind of gets thinner as far as who's going to get shows the higher up you go. Like, right? Like, it's like in Pop Warner. You tell the kids, you know, all those kids that you have in the park, right. it may be only – 1% of your team that actually goes on to high school and gets an athletic scholarship. You understand what I mean? Some of those kids may not even play football in high school. Then you get to the high school level, right? Mm. Only a small percentage of those kids are going to go off and go on to college. And in college, only a small percentage of those kids are going to make it to the NFL because everybody in the NFL is good, bro. From the guy that's the first, the, the differential between the first round pick guy, the first round, the guy drafted in the first round, and a guy drafted in the seventh, eighth round is very minute. It's like this is little things like work ethic, attitude. The guy that got drafted in the seventh round might have had, might have had a problem with the weed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just little things, you know, which could cause him to slide. That's why the majority of the NFL is made up of free agents and low round draft picks, because the, even with the guys that get drafted in the first round, yeah, they get a bag of money, but they got an immense amount amount of pressure on them. So, I don't know if this lady looked at this kid in high school and said, you know what, I'm going to help him because one day he may become a famous football player. Mm. I don't know. And I want to practice what I preach because like we just talked about, the truth is just not as salacious and juicy as a lie. Yeah. This sounds, you know, so these people could have had very well had good intentions. Like, I don't know. I don't know why, I don't know why Michael Orr would have a reason to lie. Yeah, I think he feeling like he was exploited because, you know, apparently they've made millions of dollars off the shit. You know, he didn't make too much money. That could be it, too. You never know, man. Well, I, it could be a thing to where they just feeling like they invested a lot of time in that dude and they benefited from it. Right. Because, again, I'm... I'm really choosing to roll the dice if I go pick a big six, seven, 300-pound kid off on the street and say, I'm going to work this dude, I'm going to feed him, clothe him, provide for him with hopes of him going to the NFL one day. Mm. And plus, from what I understand, these people have money already. Supposedly. You know, supposedly they have money. Or could that could have been a part of the film that was embellished. I wasn't there. You know, we wasn't there to make a judgment. But <clears throat> I will say this. If they did do that to that kid that's messed up, if that was their whole thing and it worked out for them, but it was a good chance it couldn't have worked out. You know, it could have went either way. 
I mean, I guess I can understand where he coming from because you can kind of put situations of of young of young black dudes from the neighborhood who get exploited. Shit, I was a motherfucker who got exploited. Mm-hmm. I was 17 years old when I didn't know nothing about royalties or publishing, and the motherfucker came in and took all that shit. Yeah. Because they felt like, oh, you know, motherfucker don't know. So, hey, that, that's, I don't know. Motherfuckers just don't give motherfuckers just due uh, uh, of the work they put in. I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess they felt like they deserved, you know, more. Like, yeah, look, but looking at this picture, they he, look happy. Well, that's that's then, you know, of course shit going to come out down the line. Like like he said, they guaranteed, uh, uh, they made sure that their kids got millions of dollars off the shit. You off the whole me? story. Off the whole story. So I think so, his main gripe may be actually what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this. Um, Michael O'Hare, the subject of the hit 2009 movie, The Blind Side, has come forward with allegations that the wealthy Tui family established the conservatorship in which they profited from his name, image, and likeness. And now members of the Tui family are now speaking out. The 37-year-old former NFL offensive lineman filed a petition Monday asking that Shelby County, Tennessee probate court for the established conservatorship be dissolved. In court documents, O'Hare argued that the Tuies convinced him to sign documents that agreed to the conservatorship in 2004. The 2004 conservatorship filling claims that O'Hare wanted the Tuies to be his legal guardians up until he became 25 years old or until the conservatorship was dissolved by a court beforehand. O'Hare's petition filed Monday stated this conservatorship is unnecessary as Michael O'Hare is capable of handling his own affairs. Sean Tui, the Tui family patriarch, told the Daily Memphian that none of O'Hare's allegations are true. We didn't make any money off the movie. The 63-year-old sports commentator told the Daily Memphian he heard the news of the lawsuit after a friend sent him the article from ESPN who first reported the story. This could be just a misunderstanding, but I feel where he could feel some kind of way at is that, you know, we did well, this Damn, movie. how old is he? Shit. Why is he 25. Still- He's 25 now? No, he's not 25. At the time, it said that the conservatorship they had would go on until he was 25 or whatever. Or a judge dissolved it. So apparently, they are still running the conservatorship. That's that Britney Spears shit. It's the same shit. Now, look at this. I kind of ride with the, like, I don't know again, not to call Michael no liar, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Tui told the local Memphis newspaper that Michael Lewis, the author of the book that the Blind Side film is based on, gave his family half of the share of profits from the book, saying that everybody in the Tui family got an equal share, including Michael, of about $14,000 each. You know, them book advances aren't really that big, right? So, okay, but we, we were never, move. yeah, let, let me go on. We were never offered money. We never asked for money. My money is well documented. You can look up how much I sold my company for, Tui said. The conservatorship at the center of the petition filed Monday to we say it had nothing to do with the movie, telling the Daily Memphian it was a way to satisfy the NCAA when it appeared O'Hare might play football at the University of Mississippi. Michael was obviously living with us for a long time, and the NCAA didn't like that, to we said. They said the only way Michael could go to the Ole Miss was if he was actually part of the family. Tui said he sat Michael down and told him, if you're planning to go to Ole Miss, or even considering Ole Miss, we think you should have to be part of the family. This would do that legally. Tui said if O'Hare wants to end the conservatorship now, he would, of course, be willing to end it. He also told the Daily Memphian that he began to sense a growing distance between O'Hare and the Tui starting a year and a half ago. We're, de- we're devastated. It's upsetting to think we would make money off of any of our children, Tui said. But we're going to love Michael at 37 just like we loved him at 16. So at 37, why are you still running his shit? Why do you feel that when he turned 25, why didn't you just say we're going to break this shit? Why is it fucking 30 years later and you're still holding his shit? Why? Yeah, no, this is his side. This is what he's saying. While the blind side went on to make over $300 million at the global box office, O'Hare alleged he received nothing from the film while the Tui's made millions, according to the petition. Additionally, in February of this year, O'Hare said he discovered that legally he was not actually a part of the Tui family. 
In the film, it was portrayed that O'Hare was adopted by the two weeks after he began sporadically staying with the family the summer after his junior year of high school, according to the petition. The Tweeds invited O'Hare to live with them that July and was later presented with the conservatorship. What he signed, however, unknown to Michael until after February of 2023 were not adoption papers or the equivalent of adoption papers, the petition alleged. NPR's multiple requests for comment from both Lee Ann Tui and the Tui family's nonprofit organization Make It Happen were not immediately answered. Michael O'Hare and his attorney also did not immediately respond to NPR's request for comment. So he said he thought he was signing adoption papers, mm -hmm. but what he was signing was conservatorship, meaning that we would control everything, your likeness, image, money, everything. We control that. You know, what our producers see in the background is that the Tui family legally purchased them a big six, seven, three hundred pound nigga. <laughs> a they, big nigga. They went out and bought them a big nigga. <laughs> money off of <laughs> you know what? That might become a thing in the South, though, man, because it's a lot of dudes that stay in fucked up environments. That might be the new thing. Yeah, but you know, um, do you look at that as a as 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 a? I mean, like I said, I say it every time. If a nigga can fuck you, he gonna fuck you. If yeah. you think he can get away with it, right? So do you same guys... shit with the Britney Spears shit, right? What they exactly. thought she was plum loco, right? Mm -hmm. She can't handle her shit. So who the, the daddy or somebody was running a conservative shit? Mm -hmm. Okay. Then even though after all this time, she, she like, why y'all still running my shit? Yeah, and you know the part of this I can't understand. Me and you both have our own biological children, right? Right. My son is a fireman. My oldest son is a fireman. He makes really good money. I don't ever ask him for a dime. That's his money. Right. Chris doing his thing. I ain't never told Chris, hey, man, I did this for you when you was a kid. I drove you to all these practices, got, took you to all these yeah, trainers. Let me, let me get something. And you know how much that costs. Oh, damn. You know, I, I spent the bag on Chris. But I've spent bags on all my children to ensure their future successes. Definitely. They don't owe me nothing. I don't look back nothing from them. Now, you know, Chris, if you're hearing this right now, if you want to go on and buy Pops, you make that 53-man Ross, you want to go on and give me that F-150, I ain't going to stop you. With yeah, that yeah. F-350, you know, you can go on and bless yeah, Pops yeah, if you yeah. want to. You, you, but, you double shot. Yeah, but he don't owe me nothing, bro. I did that because I wanted to see my children be successful. And... At 25, they damn sure grown enough to handle their own stuff. Oh, definitely. And 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 sometimes you gotta sometimes you're gonna make mistakes, but that's how you learn from them. Uh, mm -hmm. to me, I look at that like, you know, somebody who just wanna be in total control of somebody's life, mm -hmm. you know, your finances, what you do, you know, whatever, whatever. I, I think that's a bit extreme. Now, if somebody really has issues in their mental and, you know, mm -hmm. they're sitting on $100 million, of course, you can't, you know. Yeah, you got to look out for them because somebody got to look out of for them. But at what point do you go, okay, let's try to let you work your own shit? Well, I'll give you a prime example. Um, Chris's first year in the league, you know, he was expected to be drafted, but he wasn't. Um, he wound up going as a um, – he initially went to Pittsburgh. First week of the season, they released him. Mm. But he went to Miami. He went to play for the Dolphins the next day. He got picked up the next day. Um, and he was on the practice squad with them for a whole year. Then, you know, you went through the whole thing of um, the quarterback getting hurt down there. Mm -hmm. They had to make had guys coming off of IR, you know, IR, so they had to make room on the roster, right? So I'll tell you this. Now, when Chris first went down to Miami, again, he's a kid, but that's his money. I suggested to him, I said, dude, why don't you just stay in a hotel for now? Mm -hmm. You know, until you fully, you know, see how the situation plays out. Because in the NFL, a number of different things can happen. It's a business. Exactly. And if a guy, if a quarterback gets hurt, that impacts your status, especially the lower you are on the down team. And for those that don't know what the practice squad is, the practice squad, they do everything with the team, practice with them and everything. They just don't get to play in the games. Exactly. They just, but they make a whole bunch of money to practice. Definitely. Pretty much they make a whole bunch of money to practice. They're professional football players. But anyone can be, get plucked off that practice squad team at any time. Definitely. Like if, um, like let's say the, um, the Raiders looking for a corner. They could call him the thing and saying, okay, instead of bringing an older guy back who ain't played no football in a few years, let's get this kid off, you know, snatch this kid out of Miami 
he got fresh legs, let's bring him in. But if they bring you in, they got to put you on a 53-man roster. But with the uncertainty of this business, I told him, I said, hey, why don't you wait before you do this? No, I'm going to go get this, man. He went and got him a laid spread. Had his spread laid out, furniture and everything. I looked at it one day, he FaceTimed me. I said, damn, man, you live in large. Guess what happens two weeks later? Time to go. Your boy Tua gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Tua gets hurt. They got a guy that's coming off of IR. They got another offensive lineman that's hurt, so they got to bring somebody in. So with that happening, they're going to have to bring some of those guys off the active roster and put them on the practice roster. Exactly. They go through there. Okay. Some of them have to let you go. They only have so much room on a team. But I said all this to say this. I could have told my son and been more vocal about, man, you better not go spend money on that career, but don't do this. Don't buy that car. Don't do this. But that's his money. Yeah. He had to learn a lesson. Sometimes you got to let your kids make little mistakes yeah, so they'll see what you're talking about is real. You, you have to. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, it's nothing better than learning from experience First so hand. you can uh, know what not to do. You know, I did a lot of dumb shit when I was young, spending money on this and that and you know, and you learn. You became you very learn from that. to where now when you get money and checks, you know what I'm saying. That shit goes in the savings and shit. There's yeah, nothing exactly. that I haven't had, wanted, been, or whatever. You feel me? Mm-hmm. I went through that stage, but sometimes it's better to uh, let a motherfucker experience uh, so they learn. You know what I'm saying? I let I tell my son. I tell anybody. You get me? You live and you learn from from shit. Exactly. And I went all, you know, I went, took that roundabout way just to give that example because it's his money and I want him to learn because, you know, this year, whole different kid, whole different kid. All his focus is, is on being a contributor to the team. Nothing else. He not, you know, everybody has goals and aspirations, but you have to wait until you achieve certain things. It's like I tell my, uh, my family members at home, right? I tell my family. And this is more for, like, not my immediate household, but the cousins, you know, the uncles, the aunties, and everybody. Because, see, people that really think you're rich, I let them know, look, I'm making a living that can end at any time. Definitely. I have multiple things that I do to make money, though. I'm a manager. We do this podcast. Um, we got the TV stuff that we're doing now. It's other things that I do to make money. Right. But I am not rich by any stretch of the imagination. And you really, you may think you're rich when you're younger because you got this much money. It's the most money you ever had until you start getting around other motherfuckers who are really rich. And you realize, man, I ain't got no money. I'm not rich. You got to still grind. I'm not rich, man. I'm like everyone else. I got a job, man. And if I make, only thing I have is the security of being allowed to make maybe one or two small mistakes. But I make a major mistake, I could be through for. Yeah. You got to be careful with shit nowadays, man. I, really I try to be to. careful with I, I I try to be careful and watch what I do. Like I said, you go through experiences and then you change shit up. Uh people want to think you different or you got soft or you done turn and and being somebody different, but man, that's just growing up and maturing and learning from experiences. So, uh you try to instill that in people you fuck with, your kids or whoever. You feel me? Mhm. That's that's 100%. You know what, man? Speaking of mistakes, man, they don't give your boy some serious time, man. Tory Lanez is getting oh 10 God. years, man. 10 years. Oh, my gosh. 10 years when, really, I was seeing the whole time, when they offered him that first deal, mm-hmm. when they offered dude the first deal, I think he should have took it. Me and Glasses was talking about it. He said, man, I think Tory should have took that deal. He would have been out by now. Man, I don't put myself in no situations like that. Uh, uh. And I still don't know what the fuck happened. I mean, did the nigga shoot her? Like, what the fuck? What I think, man. <laughs> what, I mean, did, did it come down to that? Uh, and why? Why? Shit. At the end of the day, why? Well, you know what, man? Uh, I don't know. This is what man, I feel. I don't wish jail upon no nigga, you know what I'm saying? But, hey, sometimes we make motherfucking mistakes and... and you know how that shit work. When it come to the motherfucking popo, nigga, you can't slide out of shit. Especially out in California with a gun. I tell all the homies all the time. Yeah, we got like, the rough gun laws yeah, here, Yeah, we man. got rough gun laws. I tell the homies on 4th of July, New Year's, they want to go in their backyard and pop their pistols. I tell them all the time, man. I said, man, you a mess around and go to jail, man, fucking with them guns like that. Man. 
California is n- it's not like Ohio. In Ohio, we get to walk around with our pistols. Texas, you could walk around with your pistol. Atlanta, you could walk around with your pistol. Out here, if I went outside right now and pop, and somebody sees it and calls the police and I get caught, I am going to jail. I want to ask. Unlawfully discharging the firearm. Yeah, we got this, we got some bad gun laws here. Uh, but, you know, we got some of the roughest gang shit here, too. So, you know, uh, you, you fall on the sword with that one because you carry a pistol here and you get caught. I mean, shit, I done, I done got caught with pistols three times. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, there's no way around it. Thank God you weren't popping. You went to jail every time, nigga. You goddamn right. Every time. They're looking, looking for prison time, too. They don't be playing and shit, so. They don't. Well, I'm going to read the Tory Lanez case. So what, they, they gave him 10 years? Yep, here it is right here. Canadian rapper what Tory Lanez. He'll do about fucking, he'll do about maybe eight. I don't know. We go see right here. I'm going I'm to I'm check it out and see what they got going on. Yeah, yep. do about eight. Yeah, Canadian rapper Tory Lanez was sentenced to 10 years in prison after he was found guilty of shooting hip-hop superstar Megan Thee Stallion in the foot after the pair left the Los Angeles party in 2020. The hearing began Monday and wrapped up Tuesday, ending a high-profile case in which Megan, 28, was subjected to what prosecutors called repeated and grotesque acts. It cast a spotlight in the scrutiny black women face when they report abuse. Lanes, whose real name is Daystar Peterson, shot Megan, the three-time Grammy winner whose legal name is Megan Pete, after a party at the Hollywood Hills home of reality star and makeup mogul Kylie Jenner on July 12, 2020. A jury convicted Lanes, 31, who pleaded not guilty of three felony counts in December, assault with a semi-automatic firearm, carrying a loaded, unregistered firearm in a vehicle, and discharging a firearm with gross negligence. Wearing an orange jumpsuit, Lanes addressed the court before the judge handed down his sentence. He apologized for his actions and said he took full responsibility for the 2020 shooting. If I could change it, I would, but I can't, he said. Everything I did that night, I take full responsibility, he added. I truly am just trying to be a better person. Lanes looked surprised but remained quiet after the sentence was announced. The mother of his son burst into tears as she was led out of the courtroom. Matthew Barhoma, a member of Lane's legal team, said appeals for both the sentence and the convention are planned. The team will also file for bail when, the, when it appeals the sentence. In handing down his sentence, Los Angeles Superior Court Judge David Hereford said it was difficult to reconcile the doting father and committed philanthropist many described with the person who fired the gun five times at Megan. Sometimes good people do bad things, Hereford said. Actions have consequences and there are no winners in this case. Deputy District Attorney Alex Bott said Lanes called Megan a liar, intimidated her in the raster. Not only did the defendant do the heinous act of shooting her, he then subjected her to two and a half years of hell, Bott said after the sentencing. And they're going to deport him back to Canada. All that show money he was getting in the U.S. when he come out, that's over with. Yeah, he won't be able to come back here no more. Yeah, he won't be able to come back here no that's more. How it's going to be, that he, that's just like, remember Shine? Mm-hmm. That's going to be, this the same situation. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know. Ain't no, ain't no, ain't no broad going to piss me off that bad to where I got to pop at her, whatever. I mean, sometimes you got to take, sometimes you got to take, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I can't, I come from the street life and all that shit, change person. I know situations, you know, uh, Domestic violence and all that shit. Never advocated it, you know. Uh, but I don't know what kind of female. What what would make you that mad to bust on a female? Like I don't know what would make you mad to bust on female, but I wonder what made Millie Mel mad enough to go at Eminem. Oh my God! I wanna. Um... Before you say that, let me say this. While we speaking on, you know. Uh, Pioneer rappers or whatever. And Melly Mel is right. a pioneer. Okay. We've all been asked this question and we've all been whatever. Mm-hmm. When is it time to put down the microphone? You know what? Do, do you feel hip-hop has an age limit? I definitely don't think it has an age limit. I think. Why are we so ridiculed? For rappers like Melly Mel and older rappers who are still trying to 
why are we so ridiculed by the youngsters? Because people still want to hear music, and you know what? Um, but they don't want to hear us. Why? Well, that's them. Evidently, I know you make a lot of money every month doing tours, so it's somebody that want to hear you. But uh, according to them, I don't. According to them, we don't. According to them, y'all are old rappers, y'all broke, and that's why y'all still trying to rap. You know that's what kills me, man, when you're talking to these young folks, man. Because they I, say, you're old I, and broke, you need to sit down somewhere. I, I could turn on my radio or TV, mm -hmm. and I could see Rolling Stone still performing. I could see... Earth, Wind, and Fire still performing. I could see all these concerts with Lisa Lisa and Colt Jam and all these. Nobody tells them, hey, why the fuck y'all still singing? Go sit down and let it be Doja Cat and all the new people. Why is it always hip-hop? Why? <laughs> well, you know what? Hold on. <laughs> I'm talking about a motherfucking hoe. Who can still get out, bro? I ain't talking. I want to, you know, it's, a kid, nigga, it's a kid out nigga, there. My nigga said, well, you listen to that shit, you go see Hold on. This is what I'm going to say. You know, me and Dijon. Now, 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 before you say something, I feel that's kind of out of place. You get me? Like, you have to know when to fight your battles. You get me? You have to know when to pick your battles and when to fight your battles. You get me? 100%. I'm not going to try to, even though, I, you know, I got a little swing power and can, you know, protect myself. I'm not finna get in the ring with Mike Tyson on an expedition or whatever. You feel mm -hmm. me? That's just something I'm not going to do. You said I'm going to already won. claim, you said nigga, you, you win. Have, so you wouldn't have an exhibition match with Mike? Hell no. For what? I, I wouldn't either. No. And to so me, I get where you're coming from. I'm not fin to have an exhibition battle with Eminem. You feel me? I don't give a fuck about how much I disagree with whatever the situation is. I'm not going to go, fuck that. I'm finna go in the studio and I'm finna do me a record. It's just, it's ludicrous to me. You get me? And I respect Melly Mel. I love the message and Grandmaster Flash and all that shit. But mm -hmm. like I said, I'm not gonna get in a motherfucking boxing match with Mike Tyson on a fucking expedition because I feel like, fuck that. You get me? Or even, even, one, of the, even one of the famous white boxers. You mm -hmm. get me? I ain't gonna even get I'm in not the messing I'm with not, no professional boxer. I'm not gonna even get in the ring with Rocky. You get me on Sylvester Stallone type of shit. I know I can't. That, that's just something <laughs> you don't deal with. So those are trained. You gotta know how to pick your battles and shit. And it's unfortunate for motherfuckers like you know in that situation when it's it's niggas like me who still respect the craft of hip hop. I don't do hip hop or make records to go make, you know, money. Like you said, mm -hmm. I do it. I make money right here. I go on tour still. I do do shit. I don't look at like, oh man, I got to put this fucking record out because I got to make some money. Mm -hmm. I make records because you still enjoy it's, making. It's records. in the heart. Man. It's in the heart, and I still have fans who appreciate. Me making the music I do. And this is why I say that I don't think it should be an age limit put on rap. Now, if you a dude that's 50 years old deciding that you just go come now and just jump in the trade, right. I would tell that person, man, look, unless you are very, very, very good, exactly, go sit your ass down somewhere. And I get that, but like, and then they pick and choose who. You know, that's all. Well, the thing is, evidently, you got what you would call, what I like to call a 50-year-old b-boy. Now, we in that era right now. Hip-hop is 50 years old. Right. I grew up listening to hip-hop. I remember when there wasn't no hip-hop on the planet. Exactly. I, I can remember clearly there when there wasn't no hip-hop. Instantly, when I heard it, I said I have to be a part of that. I didn't know in which aspect, you know, but my mom bought me turntables. I actually can DJ. I actually DJ pretty good, but that's not my thing. You feel what I mean? Right. I actually got really good at the songwriting aspect, writing hooks and everything like that, and I got credits out there now for that. But this is my thing, right? I think that just like anything else, being an MC all comes from here, right? Right. I could be 100 years old and had the coldest bars ever, 
But I think with that being said, when you swing in a sword, right, if you got a sword and you go into battle, soldiers don't wait until the day of the battle to go sharpen their blade up. Mm. They keep that motherfucker sharp every day. You would see them at home, you know, oh, yeah. rubbing their shit. <laughs> yeah. They go make sure that motherfucker stays sharp. So if a motherfucker impede on their turf or they get called by the king to go to war, guess what's going to happen? That blade is nice and sharp. I think you need to keep your blade sharp. And with that being said, and I'm going to give you all this disclaimer <laughs> first. I thoroughly have the utmost respect for Melly Mel. Melly Mel probably has the coldest rap verse of all time. A child is born with no state of mind, blind to the ways of mankind. God is smiling on you, but he's frowning too because only God knows what you'll go through. That was kind of some of the first gangster shit, really. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But to go from that to this right here, we only go play a little bit of it because you know we don't want to get sued. Okay. You look mad like a roach just crawled out of your book bag. Um, I say this, man, and a lot of people won't give Eminem the credit that he's supposed to get. Why? Let me, why let me, let me get he, this off real quick. Though, why right? is he even hating on Eminem? Yeah, I'm, and, I'm, and that's I'm what I'm saying. I'm going to go to that right there. Eminem yeah. happens to be white, but listening to that man rap, you can tell he is very, 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 like you said, he is serious about his craft. And at this point, Eminem probably sitting on a half a billion dollars, if not more. But is it racially motivated? What is the angle behind? I think so. It has to be racially motivated. So is, 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 is Melly feeling like because M is white, he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be appreciated as... As what hip hop is black. Well, what, what, what Melly Mel's thing is is that Eminem is a guest in the house of hip hop, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, because I don't want to be one of those people that put stuff out as fact. We y'all can do your own research on this, but I believe that Eminem has said on a couple of different occasions that he is a guest in hip hop. He understands that this is a black art form, but if if you listen to this, if you listen to this guy, man, you can tell that he is very, very serious about his music. A lot of thought. Writing the raps and understanding how Eminem rap, you being a rapper and you listen to his cadences and his flow, he puts a lot of time and effort into that shit, dog. And he's really meticulous about the way he says stuff. How do you feel about that, Brian? That saying that that he's a guest in hip hop. Um, Hold on, Brian. If you go do it, come talk on the mic so the people can hear you. Come talk on the mic real quick, dog. I'm, hey, I'm this, saying, this, right, this is our this, this is our producer. Let me this, introduce him. It's his first time ever. It's his first time ever on camera. No, this is what I want to say. He's saying like M's a guest of hip hop, right? Because what black? Because hip hop is is what it is. It it's a black art form. It's a black art form. It's a black art form. For sure, it's a black art form. What is basketball? Basketball. When it was made, what was it? When basketball was made, it was initially all white folks playing it. What was football? Initially all white folks. Are we guests of those? Exactly. My point is that. I share your opinion. And I see where Are you're we going guests with. of football, baseball? Because remember, we as black people couldn't do that shit. We weren't allowed mm -hmm. until we had to form our own crew, mm -hmm. right? So can Eminem say, I formed my own house? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you what Can happened. he say I formed my own house? I understand that it's a black culture, but saying I'm a guest, I built my own house. He built his own house, and, he, and he's very, you know, anybody, whenever I hear people come up with these criticism about Eminem, I tell them, I say, listen, you're not listening to him. You're talking about your feelings. You're being very subjective and in your feelings right now because the man got bars. Have I did I have I liked every Eminem song? No, no. Uh -uh. there were songs we that you know the stand shit and shit like that. See, that I love stand. Me. I like stand. I get it, but it came. But from that a, wasn't for you, right? That wasn't for you. you. Know, that's fair. But and there's there were another songs thing. I His first shit, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm Slim Shady. Mm -hmm. I used to bang that shit all through the neighborhood. It was a, it was a, it was a nice. He's a bad motherfucker, dog. It, 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 
Here, come, Brian, talk in the mic, man. The main thing about that interview was a Vlad TV interview. And Vlad asked him in that interview, could you beat Eminem in a battle? He said it would be the easiest thing I ever did. He Who said that? Skill. Millie Mel said that. That's where the majority was from. So he said that, Mel, that M, Melly Mel said that Eminem doesn't have the technical skills to beat him in the battle. Eminem, and I'm probably going to get in some trouble for this because this is just my opinion. Right. And everybody is subject to their own opinion, right? And I'll try to be as objective as I can about stuff. I don't put no feelings and emotion <laughs> in it. But Eminem is easily, I don't think rap could ever have a definitive number one you know, number one person, because that's just somebody's opinion, right? Mm -hmm. But Eminem is, without a doubt, unequivocally, one of the top ten rappers in the world. Like I said. Easy. And I would even venture to say probably top five. He's a bad motherfucker, dog. He's a bad, he's a bad motherfucker. Um, again, have I listened to some Eminem shit? Mm -hmm. Goddamn right. Mm -hmm. um, have I banged some Melly Mel? You goddamn right. Mm -hmm. Two different comparisons. Mm -hmm. You get me. Um, two different times. You get me. Exactly. Melly Mel and them was the '70s era. You get me. The early '80s era of of breaking into hip hop. You talking about somebody who you know, battle skilled wise is just you know, like I said, you don't touch it. Like your mama say, negative fire is on on the stove. Mm -hmm. You don't put your fucking hand on the fire, right? Exactly. It's some niggas you just can't fuck with. You know, and I, oh, well, he has an apology. Okay. Who did? So, Melly? Yeah, so. I so, mean, because it, it, because it, it, it sounded like an emotional thing. Because, you know, niggas want to be recognized as the originators. You get me? Mm -hmm. Melly Mel is one that come from one of those eras. So to. to to question him about his, like, you know, because he like, nigga, I'm Melly Mel. I come from, you know. And everybody respects And so for a motherfucker to ask him, could you beat Eminem in a battle, what he supposed to say? Hell no. He got confidence in himself. But everybody know what the real result is. But it's a way to answer be. that to say, man, you know what? I love Eminem. I wouldn't battle Eminem. You know, like, that's not what I do. That's not what I'm, you know, that's yeah, not what I'm I, Yeah, I, I wouldn't even know why somebody would even push that button to, you get me? Uh, uh, oh, well, there, there you have it. There you have it. Say no more. You, you we, know what, though? I never get mad at Vlad. People get mad at Vlad and them, right? But my thing is this. Them motherfuckers go up there and answer all them questions. Vlad is doing his job. If he can get a motherfucker to say some crazy no, ass outlandish I mean, shit, I've that done, he did I've his job. It. I've done the show. I felt, you know, some questions where they try to wiggle and whatever. You just got to be intelligent Yeah, you gotta, before you, know, you speak. That's one you thing I do. don't have to answer everything. Motherfucker ask me a question. You'll see me sit there for fucking five minutes and go, mm. You know, and I'm not going to read Mel's whole, um, I'm pretty sure everybody that you all go online, we're going to put it in the description. Y'all can go and see Melly Mel's. Um, his apology. His apology. But this is what I wanted to say, man, right? We really need to, as a people, start stop being so damn emotional about stuff. And be emotional. Now, what I'm saying, when you talk, start talking about systemic racism, mm -hmm. police brutality and stuff of that nature, we are supposed to be emotional. We're supposed to feel some kind of way about that. But this man has evidently made it his life's work. I remember I saw Eminem at the Rap Olympics before he was even Eminem who he is. And I love Medusa, dog. Love Medusa to death. But he tore Medusa's head off that day. And 15 other people. And he, did, he didn't even win the Rap Olympics. My boy Juice from Chicago beat him. Fair and square. Juice is a bad motherfucker too. He beat Eminem. Eminem was depending on that winning that battle for rent money to pay his rent at the crib. Mm -hmm. Like, he won. And it was one of them things to where, because I was there for it. It was kind of like right there, you know what I mean? And Juice won. Eminem has, to me, he's had a harder time of making it to me, you know, to get jump in the game, his entry point, because people probably always looked at him as the white boy. I mean, we, but we've always done that when a white boy has tried to jump into hip-hop. Um, I think, you know, the only, you know, people we gave credit, shout out to homie Cypress Hill, you know, that was probably, you know, and they, they, they was, you know, Spanish, they wasn't even white. Um, 
look what happened with the results of and of, they crossed over as well you know the results of of when caucasians entered the hip-hop game you know we had the vanilla ice era we had the what the marky mark and the funky bunch marky era. mark and the funky bunch uh, you know which i would look at mark Wahlberg more as an entertainer yeah, you know the type of music they did. They've had a few of them tried to come in and and stake the position, and, and you, it, know, you can see right now a lot of them are, are you know, running the positions that that hip hop has been. Well, in. you know, and, and there's a lot of white rappers, man, um, and that's the big misconception too. They think, oh, he just made it because he white. I know a whole bunch of dope white rappers. We ain't nowhere close to getting a record deal. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? They got skills. They they do their shit, but. They not in the upper echelon of hip hop, you know. No. And, and this is what I really feel, man. We need to really start judging this shit on dog on a motherfucker's bars. Yeah. And that motherfucker rap. That's all I care about. When I listen to a new song, I don't care if a motherfucker's white, black, green, or purple. Does he have bars? Is the beat banging? That's it. That's all. Yeah, that's it. I don't care because I don't feel it's my place to ever tell somebody you're not welcome into the house of hip hop. Because just like you made the analogy to basketball football and all that stuff. Hell, football, I think, is what, maybe 96% black now? Yeah. 96% um, NBA? Look at ba- basketball. Same thing. Yeah. And whites invented that sport. What if they would have said, this is ours, y'all can't come in, y'all got to get out. they did for a long time. And they did for a long time. I'm going to tell you how that changed, though. My sons, I'm a martyr, USC Trojans. They went down. They had been I remember left. that game. They had, to, yeah, they, had, they had to go down, and I, I watched the whole documentary story yeah. where they went to go play Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. They went to go play Alabama. That's one of the things they tell you about when you go on your recruiting trip. They got this one wall at the university, right, that show all the black players that was there. SC was like, come on in the whole time. They coaches like, we play on the sport. Everybody is welcome to play. Exactly. And they went down there to Alabama and beat the dog shit out their ass. You know what Bear Bryant said the next year? We have to start letting some of these Negroes in a university. Or we go get our ass whooped every year. So, you know, I just, you know, I know this is, uh, this craft was, you know, made up by us as a people. A lot of shit was made up as us by people. But, you know, sometimes they squeeze in and they take control over. And, you know, you can't do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And what can you do if a motherfucker good? Now, I'm going to tell we you this. Some, we, have some, we have some white basketball players playing like niggas. We got, you know. Larry got, Bird was a goat. Yeah, come on. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker. Yeah, that's how, that's how stuff happened, though. I don't know. But you know what, man? I think some of them little stories like him throwing a demo tape. I was at that thing, too. I was there because I, I was, was there. there I was there actually to watch Medusa and the homie Juice. Cause, shout out Juice. My boy I Juice. I was a judge there. You was a judge? I think so. You could tell at that time that that little motherfucker was wrong. No, he was, he, like I said, I never got into the battle shit, but he was a motherfucker who could battle motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. That's how he got in, your shit. And like you said, just by chance, fucking tape, it fell into the right hands. I asked my homeboy Juice all the time, right, if you had to do all over again, would you have rather lost that battle and win? And he said, what the fuck you think, nigga? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because Juice didn't get nowhere close to the commercial acclaim that he Definitely. thought he was, but he was a bad motherfucker. Shout out Juice. You know what? Going back to Melly Mel, I want to say this to Mel. Man, you no disrespect. are. No disrespect. You are on the Mount Everest of rap, dog, as one of the goats. As one of the goats. But, my guy, you don't see um, Dan Marino coming out here starting shit with, um, what's my man for Kim? Pat Mahomes. And like I said, who, who all knows what it is? I mean, you know. Sometimes a lot of these shits be publicity stunts. You feel me? I, I hope not because, so, to be honest with you, the song Mel put out for what he does, if he'd have just put the song out, you know, commemorating 50 years of hip-hop, it would have been received way differently. Yeah, probably. It would have been received because if you listen to it, it's dated, but it's not bad. It sounds like something that would have came out during that time, you know? Mm. You know, I ain't gonna give them horrible. I don't heard worse shit on there, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't heard worse shit. Some, we got some real horrible yeah, I, shit. I heard some worse shit. Right you know, now. that that's I won't say that's Mel's best work, but that's MC Melly Mel. It we gonna, his best we gonna work. give him we gonna give him an A for effort. Yeah, that's you know, what we but gonna do. He didn't have no damn business calling no Eminem A for effort. Like and I he's said. lucky because Eminem is really one of them type of dudes to take any challenge on. Eminem yeah, could have came back and skewered that ass. I think M's a, 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 a one of those dudes that's like, be like, 
Yeah, right. Okay, whatever. Until motherfuckers get the egg in him on, like, come on, man, you got to serve this motherfucker. And then he just be like, fuck it. But for the most part, I would look at it like, man, it's smelly male. Okay, cool. Whatever. That, whatever you say. You feel me? Yeah, that's it. And as y'all see, we not in our normal spot tonight. Um, yeah, we getting shit cracking, so you know, y'all see, it, so see us back up in action next, next, next week, week. Way bigger way better and um there's big things coming we got big announcements coming up and everything else where we at time wise b yeah yeah man you know we're gonna go let y'all go but i want to leave y'all with this before we go when you see somebody online saying derogatory things about people and city everything's about people before you jump in them comments talking about, yeah, you 100% right, because first of all, none of y'all know what the fuck y'all talking about half the time. Y'all in somebody's inbox or in somebody's leaving a comment on somebody's page instead of when your whole life is in shambles. But take the time out to research stuff for yourself. Um, let's all start being a little bit more objective. Yeah. And stop going for the bullshit. We in dangerous times now. We got to stop supporting the bullshit. It's a lot of dope content out there. You know what I'm saying? Stop cheating yourself because yeah. looking at that bullshit is like letting to somebody his, masturbate in your ear. Yeah, to each his own. Like I said, when you got a choice, you got a choice to do whatever. But a lot of the shit be just ridiculous. A lot of the shit is just, just straight up just just hate the next motherfucker. And I'm just I'm just I'm getting fed up with the with with us as black men always gotten to hate motherfuckers, man. If you got an issue, man, just just keep it to yourself and move along. Because we're going to keep doing what we're doing. You feel me? It's Nothing's going to stop. So we, we would rather, you know what I'm saying, we would rather focus on shit that's positive, making money, and uplifting motherfuckers instead of trying to slap niggas in the mouth, man. That, that's what it is. We're trying to be on a different page. So let's grow up. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. and on that note, we out of here.